0: Welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. For the past couple of weeks, Pastor Quint Limblad has been leading us through a series focused on our relationships and how as Christ followers we should conduct ourselves in those relationships. We call this series, Live a Life Worthy. Pastor Quint started out with three important steps that serve as the foundation for developing godly relationships, humility, patience, and what the Bible calls bearing with one another in love. Last week, he shared how we maintain our gratitude through the growing pains of relationships. Today is the conclusion of our series, and Pastor Quint will be sharing how our identity in Christ must shape all of our relationships. So let's get started and discover more about how to live a life worthy of the gospel. Here's Pastor Quint.
1: I'm really excited to wrap up this series, Live a Life Worthy. My name is Pastor Quint, I'm the executive pastor here. And if you have not been with us, we've been studying. Uh, how God would have us handle our relationships over the last couple of uh, weeks, right in time for the holidays is kind of what I've been saying. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Real quick, so I get a lot of questions. Somewhere along the way, my um, Facebook and Instagram timeline became either food or motorcycles. I have five kids, I have plenty of them I could share, but for some reason, I'm a simple creature, And so I get a lot of questions. Are you gonna smoke your turkey? Are you gonna this? So I'm just gonna walk you through a Limblad Family Thanksgiving real quick. This is a smoked cheese ball. That looks like it's from a William Sonoma catalog, doesn't it? I mean, come on, look at that. That was amazing. I've probably made 20 of those since I learned how. They're just, you can't can't pass on those. All right, next we have pie. We smoke the pecan pie. I mean, come on. Doesn't get much better than that. And then uh, what's our next one here? A bacon-wrapped, maple syrup-glazed turkey, all right? Don't tell my doctor, okay? And then this is just the display of meat. That was fun to, to throw together. Nobody takes the bacon. It's not really like a Thanksgiving thing, okay? But anyways, this is Baycorn. We never watch Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives or whatever that show is. But one day, we were flipping through the channels and we, found, we landed on this. It was like a 45-second clip. And we found this dish and we make it all the time. It is so good. Bay corn, you have to look it up, it's on YouTube. All right. Uh, Parmesan crusted mashed potatoes in, everything's in cast iron skillets, we're a cast iron family. So, all right, and then next we have stuffing. Some was in the bird, some was out. That smoked stuffing, this is the spread. Not necessarily the most impressive spread, but it's a quality over quantity thing. Do you understand? I mean, that's really what we go for. Uh, and then, is there anything else, or is that the? I think that's that's it. So that's kind of how that went for us. But more than anything, we were grateful to just be healthy. Uh, five kids, plus about, you know, seven of us, and then family. We were just glad to be healthy and be with people that we care about. That's really what it's all about. So I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Um, but we are going to wrap up the series today. If you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we've been in some of the Apostle Paul's letters. He wrote a letter to the church at Ephesus. It's called the book of Ephesians. Uh, a letter to the church of Philippi. We were there last week in Philippians. And then this week, we're going to be in his letter to the church at Colossae. That book is called Colossians. And so in week one, just some quick review here, we learned about having humility, gentleness, and patience with each other, all right? Last week, we studied gratitude and the role that it plays in helping us to live our lives worthy of the gospel. We also did one of my favorite things last week. I don't know if you caught this, but one of my favorite things to do is to just zoom way out and consider like the bigger picture of what God is trying to do in our lives and in this series, in our relationships. So if you remember from last week, we asked this question, what if part of the purpose in our struggles in various relationships was actually just part of our refining process as followers of Jesus Christ, okay? What if part of the purpose in those struggles is just to help make us more like Christ, all right? And just to be clear, when I say zooming out is one of my favorite things to do, I don't want you to think that that's necessarily easy for me, or I don't want you to walk out of here and be like, man, I wish I was like Pastor Quint, and I could just zoom out and see the bigger picture and not get swept up in emotions. I'm not saying that it's easy for me. It's still hard uh, I can still get super frustrated by things just like anybody else or, or affected by things. But I have just learned, in fact, there's a song lyric I love that says, when a nightmare really does unfold, perspective is a lovely hand to hold. Okay, a little poetry for you this morning. But it's so true, and we sang about it this morning, that when we, when we have the right perspective, okay, when we can zoom way out and see how big our God is, everything changes, all right? And so I think that's really what last week's message was all about. Was, it was thinking about, and it's really important to have a good friend or a great pastor or a, somebody to help you be able to zoom out and say, what am I missing here? What is the bigger picture that's happening that I might not be seeing? But that's an important skill to develop, and I think that's ultimately what last week was about. But anyways, that's where we're at two weeks in at this point. That was... Uh, The letter to Ephesus, the letter to Philippi, and now here we're going to be in Colossians chapter one, all right? We're going to see, if you remember our little history lesson from last week, we talked about the cultures of these three different cities, and the situation for Colossae, all right, was that it was this small, quaint town, and it was filled with people who didn't really value the teachings of Jesus Christ, all right? And and for what it's worth, all of these letters were written at a time when Christianity was not legal. It was not like this widely accepted, uh, everybody just fell in line with it or believed it. It was not generally believed, to be honest. It was obscure. To many people, it was completely unbelievable. It was talking about the resurrection of a man named Jesus Christ, all right? And it had not yet taken the world by storm as we kind of take for granted in 2023, all right? Sometimes I think it can be hard for us. And the unfortunate reality is it is getting more and more like this for us as time wears on. But it can be hard for us to realize that because we're so used to living in a free country with this rich Christian history, we almost take it for granted. But the, these letters were written to people who they had to believe this in their bones because it could mean the end of their life. For many, it did mean the end of their life. Okay, so with that perspective, with that context in mind, let me read to you from Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14, and that's going to be kind of our launch pad for this morning, all right? It says this, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So that's our starting point, our text for this morning. But before we get into that, I have just a couple thoughts to kind of help set things up, all right? Uh, so, my wife and I mentioned we have five kids. Their ages are three, five, six, seven, and nine. Okay? They're very close together. And um, they all, we're, we're actually exiting this phase of parenting that I really love. Okay? It's the phase where, because like four of them can read or almost read now. So their, their vocabulary is pretty developed and my three-year-old's like way too smart for his own good. So he doesn't really, he, he has a ton of stuff that he says very clearly. But my favorite phase is when like kids unintentionally say something that, that they're like almost right. Like I have a few examples here, okay? So uh, my, my youngest, August, he calls motorcycles... Moken cycles, okay? This is just an example. So a couple years ago, I was on a ride and my bike broke down on the Blue Ridge Parkway and I got brought home with a, by a couple friends in pickup trucks. And when I got home, my wife had made a sign for him to hold that said, sorry about your broken Moken cycle, okay? Uh, so that, that's one of his. Then my daughter, Charlotte, she had all my favorite ones, okay? And these are all gone now, which is very sad. But she used to call magazines Mazagines, Mazagines, all right? She called garbage bargage, and she would say bagai when she meant to say goodbye. She would say bagai, bagai. All gone. Super sad, okay? But then there's my fourth kid, Bennett, and he's had several, but he has one that's going to kind of help us get started in this conversation from Colossians this morning, okay? So you can thank my five-year-old Bennett for where we're going today, but he, his is more of a sentence. I'm I'm a jokester as a dad. I'm always like just trying to rib on him and, and make him, you know, question. And it's all in good fun. It's how I was raised. I don't know. So anyways, I'm always joking with him. And he has this question that he asks. He still does it. I thought he had grown out of it, but he still does it. He just did it the other day. He goes, dad, are you true? And what he means is, are you telling the truth? Are you lying? Are you telling the truth? But he says, are you true? And the first time he said it, I knew it was going to be in a sermon. Because I was like, I love that question. I love that question so much. Because the first thing that I think when I hear, are you true? Is I think, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm super true. Because I take integrity and I take character very seriously. OK, so I, pri- I, I don't want to say I pride myself like unhealthy pride, but I take it very seriously to give my kids a picture of what it means to have values and live by them. OK, so yes, I am very true. Uh, so I feel good in that. But, in fact, I have this saying that I love. It goes like this. If you always tell the truth, you never have to remember anything. I'll just let you sit with that for a minute. If you always tell the truth, you never have to remember anything. Because some of the biggest messes that I have ever witnessed people get themselves into is when they lie, and then they lied, and then they can't remember who they lied to, what to, and they can't just keep up with themselves, and they trip over it. And, and here's the thing. If you always tell the truth, you just have to you don't have to remember anything. You just have to keep saying the truth, whatever the truth is, okay? It also that saying incentivizes you to live right because you want to be in line with the truth. You're not trying to hide things, okay? So the second thing that this brings me to my next thought here. The second thing that I think of when I hear, "Are you true?" is this. Am I living in line? with what my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ says about me? Am I living true to what has been declared over me? So in Colossians 1, Paul says our favorite phrase. He says, live a life worthy. But then he follows it up with this later on in that passage that I read to you. He says, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people. And he goes on to say, for he has rescued you From the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. Because of Jesus Christ, we are qualified and we are rescued. And the question is, are we living true to that? Are we living true to that? For the rest of our time this morning, for the wrap-up of this whole series, I thought about this a lot. How are we going to pull it all together? How are we going to bring it all together? And what I want to focus on is our identity in Jesus Christ, okay? Because the truth is this, when you know who you are, it influences how you live. It influences living your life worthy. It influences how you behave, how you interact with people, how you perform at work, how you treat your spouse, okay? Your identity is the starting point for living a life worthy. Yes, we're covering it at the end of the series, but it is absolutely the starting point for each and every one of us to be able to live our lives worthy, all right? So in in preparation for this sermon, I came across this Post-it note on my desk. And a while ago, I was on this Zoom call, some leadership Zoom call thing or whatever, and I wrote these three questions down that the, the guy running the call went over, okay? And so we're gonna use those three questions to kind of frame and look at our identity in Christ, okay? Now, before you think, All right, is this where Pastor Quint's like going to sneak some leadership into a sermon, okay? I actually would propose to you that it's the opposite, all right? Good leadership strategies are just man's attempt to emulate our Father in heaven and how he leads us, okay? So this is not leadership content sneaking its way into a sermon. It's actually God's truth that seeps its way into anything and everything else, okay? So that's just my little soapbox. But don't think that it's one way, it's actually the other. And so what we're going to see is these questions are going to help us look in here and see how we are viewing ourselves, how our identity in Christ is found, all right? And so let's just jump right into that this morning. Here are the three questions. The first one is, do I know what it means to win in my role? All right, in this scenario, the role we're talking about is the role of believer in Jesus Christ living their life worthy. You received a handout on your way in. So you can jot that down under number one. Living our lives worthy of the call is the first point of what it means to win in our role. Our role. Do I have the tools to execute or succeed? And we are going to look at that. But in this regard, the, the question really is: are we equipped? Have we been equipped? We read just a minute ago that we are qualified, that we are rescued, all right? Now, what is it that makes us qualified, and have we been equipped? We'll get to that here in a second. And then the third question, do I feel valued, seen, and heard by my leader, okay? Our leader in this instance is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our Father in heaven, okay? And so it is not enough to just claim Christ as our Savior. We must know how he sees us. We must know the value he has placed on our individual lives and truly believe what he says about us. All right, so question number one, let's get into this. And this is where we spent the last couple of weeks. But do we know what it means to win in our role? I think we have spent the majority of our time here. So to to state it quickly, it is to be able to say at the end of each and every day, at the end of each and every decade of our life, that we have lived our lives worthy of the gospel. That's what it means to win in our role as believers, okay? Some tangible ways that we do that that we've talked about these last couple of weeks would be humility, gentleness, patience, okay? Gratitude, happiness, if you were here last week, peacefulness. And so really, if you are unclear about any of that, I would encourage you to subscribe to the Erie First podcast and listen to the first two messages, okay? Because that's where we went into in depth on that these last couple of weeks. But Really it is this, it is to consider living our lives worthy, is to consider others before ourselves, and it is to consider the bigger picture more than the immediate struggle. And it is to trust Christ even in our suffering. Okay, that's how I would summarize the first couple of weeks. We're going to spend the rest of our time on numbers two and three, all right? So question number two was, do I have the tools to execute or succeed? I want to be really clear on this one. The question is, do I have the tools? Not, do I feel like I have the tools? I'm not trying to discount your feelings, my feelings, or anybody else's. But the guy on Zoom, on the leadership call, didn't ask, do we feel like it? I'm not asking, do we feel like it? We're asking, does the Bible say we have the tools or not? And so that's what we are going to look at this morning. Uh, these are all listed on the handout that you received, okay? But here's just a bunch of scriptures. I want to read to you from the end of Colossians chapter one, verse twenty seven it says to them, God has chosen to make known, has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, The hope of glory. All right? The mystery that Paul talks about, the hope of glory that is mentioned here, it is Christ inside of each and every one of us as new creations. Do I have the tools? You have Christ inside of you. First Corinthians 2.12 says, Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. We have the spirit inside of us, helping us to know how to navigate this world and our relationships. Down in verse 16, First Corinthians 2.16 2, says, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of of Christ. We have the mind of Christ helping us to understand things. Over in 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22, we read, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ, has anointed us, and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So by way of review in all of these things, we have Christ, We have the spirit of God living inside of us. We have the mind of Christ helping us to understand things. We have been established. We have been anointed. We have been sealed by him for this very life that we are called to live so worthy. Listen, I know it's a lot. And there's a few more verses listed there that you can review on your own time this week. But if the question is, do I have the tools that it takes to succeed in this Christian life? The answer is a resounding and emphatic yes okay? Our identity is not one of a broken individual just limping along, hoping to do enough and try hard enough and push through enough. No, our identity is as a son or daughter of God who has been given a heart of flesh in place of our heart of stone. We have been made alive in Christ, and he, after rescuing us, after qualifying us for this life, he is absolutely 100% equipped us, okay? Sometimes, something that I think gets confused or tangled up, we read the Bible and we think it's like this list of do's and don'ts, do do, do this, don't do that, do be humble, do be gentle, do be grateful, don't be ungrateful. But I would actually propose this morning that it is these, that these are not behaviors meant for us to modify, they are our identity. Okay, what if instead of reading them simply as instructions, we read them as affirmations? Okay, be true to who Christ has qualified you to, to be by living humbly. I'm not putting on humility like it's a jacket on a cold day. Okay, I'm not putting on patience because I was told to by my Sunday school teacher. I am humble because I remember my lowly beginning, like we talked about in week one. I am patient because God is oh so patient with me, okay? And so when I read these things, I can read them as affirmations of who God has called me to be. So we know what it means to win. It means to live our lives worthy. And we know that we absolutely have the tools that it takes to succeed. We just need to step into them. And so then number three says, do I feel valued, seen, and heard by my leader, by my father in heaven? If the tools that he has equipped us with are not evidence enough of the value that he sees in each and every one of us, he would go to such great lengths to qualify us, to rescue us, to establish us, to seal us and anoint us. If all that's not enough, here's some verses to help us know just how seen and loved we truly are. These are also on your handout. Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. First John four nineteen says, "We love because He first loved us." First John four nine through eleven says, "This is how God showed His love among us: He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him." This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And if these standalone verses are not enough, we have all of Jesus' teachings. You could just go to Luke chapter 15 and read the parables of the lost coin and the lost sheep and the prodigal son and see how valuable each person is to the Father. We have teachings from John chapter 15 and John chapter 17 reminding us of how united in spirit and in truth, we are to be with him, okay? And I could go on and on, but listen to me on this last point. Everything that Christ did, it was not a chore. It was not a lesson. It was not a frustrated teacher just waiting for the class to catch up already. No. It was a demonstration, okay? The Bible tells the story of the beautiful demonstration of Christ's love. And friends, you and I have been rescued into that demonstration, okay? We've been rescued into it, not from, not just from destruction, but into this beautiful demonstration. And we have the ability to respond by demonstrating that love to those that we care about, that we love and that we know, okay? There's only one thing each of us should strive to do every single day in light of everything that we just talked about and in light of that amazing demonstration is to live our lives worthy. We should strive every single day to live our lives worthy. And God is so good and so comprehensive, okay, that he did not just rescue us, but he has equipped us as we just went over in question two, okay? He qualified us, he rescued us, he established us, he anointed us, and he sealed us. So I have a question for you, courtesy of my five-year-old. Are you true? Are you true to the life that you have been called to? Maybe you're here, and this is the first time you've actually had it framed for you in this way. Maybe you're here, and you're realizing that you've been kind of confused about how all of this works. And I'm not trying to propose that in one message we figured out how all of this works. But maybe you honestly just had no idea there was a God in heaven who loved you so much. And my prayer right now is that you have some clarity on that. Maybe on the topic of relationships, the one that you're the most unclear on is your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Okay? If that's the case, then I want to give you the chance right now to take a step towards the calling that he has on your life. He has a calling on your life to live worthy of the gospel, all right? And so maybe before you jump into downloading the podcast and listening to, verse, to sermons one and two and getting all caught up to speed and understanding instructions and claiming them as your affirmations, maybe before all that, you just need to trust Jesus with your heart. Maybe that's your starting point today. Uh, maybe you have never recognized your need for a savior, and all the hurt and the brokenness and the shame that has happened to you, and has has been inflicted upon you, or you have inflicted on others. That's called sin. Okay. Maybe you have never realized Jesus came to set you 100% free from all of that. And so, if you're hearing my voice and this is hitting home, then I want to give you the chance to pray with me, real quick. Okay. That feeling that you might have is the Holy Spirit convicting you of your sin and leading you to repentance. And so if you would, if, if, if I'm speaking to you right now, if you would pray this with me. It's just a simple prayer of acknowledgement and it looks like this. It says, Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that you are my Savior. And I want to enter into relationship with you and stop doing life my way but I want to learn how to do life your way. Jesus, I believe in you, and I trust in you. Amen. If you just prayed that, or you think you just prayed that, and you're not sure, you can see uh, myself or our friends at the prayer tables after service, we'd love to talk with you. And for those of us who have been followers of Christ for any amount of time, and we've we've heard three messages now, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, we've seen this phrase, live a life worthy. We've been called up to this living our lives worthy of the gospel, my prayer for you would be that you would see this calling that is before you in a brand new way, all right? That we would live true to who he has made us to be. And that at the end of it all, we would be able to confidently say, we are living our lives worthy of the gospel. If you remember from week one, we chanted the gospel changes everything. Well, let's leave this room as a church Purposing to live our lives worthy of that which we so emphatically chanted together. Would you please stand? We're going to pray to close this morning. It's been my privilege to put these messages together. I hope they have blessed you. They have absolutely challenged me. And so let me just pray over all of us as we get ready to go. Jesus, I thank you for your patience with me, your patience with all of us, your faithfulness, your goodness, Lord. And it is my prayer over everyone in this room that we would understand. Our calling to live our lives worthy of the sacrifice that you made in brand new ways. That we would see it clearer than we've ever seen it. That we would live uh, more in line, more true than we ever have before. And Lord, we know it'll be because you have equipped us. You have established us. You have qualified and rescued us and anointed us. And so we thank you for that and we praise you for that. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, church. Have a great rest of your day.
0: Thank you for listening to the Erie First podcast. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review on your podcast app, and please subscribe so you never miss a message. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram, or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.